for Geek Gamer Weekly. Center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. The Uber Podcast, just for geeks and gamers. We have news for the beautiful people. There's a lot more of us in our view. With your hosts, Joseph Falby. Men wanted to be like him. Women wanted to be with him. John Kessler. He will be talked about in the same way that Rockefeller and Carnegie and, and Ford are talked about. And Chase Nunes. For your information, butthead, he's headed for the video championships in Los Angeles. Now, live from Earth. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened then? When? Just now. It's Geek Gamer Weekly. This is Geek Gamer Weekly, episode number 179, recorded on Sunday, October 16th, 2011, Throt Edition. GGW is brought to you by the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. For more information, visit techpodcasts.tv. And by Minecraft Me, the new show that is all about the hot game Minecraft. For more information, visit geekgamer.tv slash minecraftme. And by Wirecast. Plug in your cameras, prepare your shots, and broadcast live with this powerful software package. For more information about Wirecast, visit telestream.net and click on the Wirecast page. Hey everybody, welcome again to another edition of Geek Gamer Weekly. This is the Uber podcast for geeks and gamers. Uh, Sorry we missed you last week, folks. Uh, I was a little under the weather, a little sick. Uh, There's obviously a bug going around across the U.S. and the world. And, uh, you know, I got a piece of that and I couldn't speak. So, sorry about that. But we're back and we have a great show and a very special guest to present this week. Um, As always... uh, You can follow me on Twitter, at Nunes, if you want to, N-U-N-E-S. And uh, one guy that I cannot seem to get rid of, I'm kidding. I I love this guy. He's he's here in the studio with us. Here he is, folks, Mr. John Kessler. What's up, John? Hey. You you know, you could just tell me to leave, and I'll just leave. No, 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 no. (laughs) Okay. You don't need to leave. It's not that hard to get rid of me. No, no, really, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) I just say, go home. You're like, hey, see you. And uh, (laughs) I'm out the door. Hi, how you feeling? Just ducky. Sweet. Very good. Uh, did you do anything fun this weekend? Um, yeah, I bought a dresser yesterday, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> wow. Exciting, I know. All right, great. Uh, no Joe Falby this week. Uh, Joe Falby is at uh, – uh, actually coming back from uh, G-Force Land, uh, which was in San Francisco, California, on board the USS Hornet aircraft carrier. Wish I could have been there. Uh, but we have a better replacement of Joe. Uh, now, <laughs> Joe's going to love that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, That's, uh, it, it. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that. Oh, well, you know, hey. Uh, well, this week we have Mr. Paul Thorat. Now, Paul Thorat, you may recognize this uh, lovely gentleman from the show over there on Twit, This Week in uh, Tech Network, called Windows Weekly. He uh, co-hosts the show with Leo Laporte and Mary Jo Foley. As well, you might uh, recognize him in print with some titles like Windows Vista Secrets, Windows 7 Secrets, and the Delphi 3 Super Bible. Well, I'm never going to live that one down. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> Which is, uh, I, I think, now just released in a paperback version, correct? No. <laughs> wow. Actually, uh, well, yeah. That'd be too hey, much. It was, it was in various languages, I can say that. <laughs> Mr. Paul Thrott, thank you for, uh, for stopping on by and hanging out with us on the seven, Sunday evening. Thank you, sir. 
No, no problem. So, so Paul, uh, you know, obviously, I, I know um, a lot about you. Like I said mm-hmm. in, the, in our in our pre show meeting, uh, I stalk you, and um, but obviously, some other people may not. And uh, okay. obviously, how did you get involved with uh, with Microsoft and and Windows and yeah. and actually just getting involved in this whole uh, geekdom? I mean, how did you ever? Un- unwrap it and get involved well i mean i've always been a geek i mean ever since i was a kid i recall walking into a, a sears and seeing a vic 20 oh. and thinking this i have to have one of these things you know this is incredible and sort of envisioning what you could do with such a machine uh, which of course you could not um and then as far as uh, you know i sort of was always going to go into art school when I was in, in high school. And then I did and realized that was a, a quick path to never making any money. So um, I left that and went into banking, but then really hated that. So I actually went to go back to school later in life to uh, get involved with the computer industry. And while I was doing that, I, I ran into a professor who, uh, to this day, I still have no idea what he saw in me, but he asked <laughs> me if I would be interested in working on uh, a book that he was working on. Um, the first book was, it was Visual Basic 3. And it went from tech editing to a little bit of writing to full co-author to being the primary author by the time it was all said and done. And then him and I went off and did a bunch of uh, other books. And then, of course, I did books by myself. But that was how I got involved with Microsoft. So the first beta program I was on was that Visual Basic. And then uh, the Word 6, Excel 5, I think it was, stuff, and Windows 95 eventually. Wow. So. Well, very cool. And, and you know, obviously, you know, some, some geeks out there uh, like mm-hmm. uh, like yourself and us, and, you know, we don't always nece- – they don't always necessarily get bit by the uh, the gaming bug. Yep. But you have that. Uh, you have that oh, genome. Yeah. Yep. Um, how long have you been uh, been gaming? Well, forever. I mean, obviously, you know, the early Commodore stuff, I always, it was mostly about games, really. And then, although I was just thinking about this today, I can't remember. I had boxes of these, you know, five and a quarter inch floppies, most of which had to have been games. And I can't remember a lot of them. I remember things like Silent Hunter and um, Dr. J versus Larry Bird, you know, the arts game that was great. Um but, you know, I, I think the Amiga was the first great gaming computer that I had, and I was a huge fan of that machine and the many, many excellent games that were available for that. You know, Shadow of the Beast, all of the CinemaWare stuff, which is amazing. Yeah, as, um, still to this day, really, some of those games are still great. And that was one of the tougher things, I think, when I moved over to the PC was the kind of, aside from flight simulators, I mean, the most of the games were fairly lame, but, but then... Um, it was Castle Wolfenstein, I guess, Return to Castle Wolfenstein, the first real, you know, 3D game. I, well, it wasn't really 3D, but you, could, you would yeah, move as, yeah. as if in 3D. Yeah. And that was something that we didn't really see on the Amiga. And, and seeing that happen on a, a grayscale 286 PC was really impressive. And I knew that these, those guys were onto something, and, and obviously they still are. And then I, I was kind of a whirlwind of first-person shooters from there on, uh, PC-based. And then eventually, of course, the, the 360 came out, so... I would say since 2005, 2006, it's been mostly on the 360. So is, is there, uh, you know, and, and I'll ask this final one question and then we'll start moving mm-hmm. on to the, the geek topics, but I'm really interested. Yep. N- n- you know, going from a first-person shooter, obviously keyboard and mouse, and you've made yeah. the transition now to the 360 pretty much exclusively for your gaming. Mm-hmm. Is, is there 
do you find it easier now to use the controller or do you still have that longing and itching to go back to a keyboard and mouse and going, hey, I want to be yeah. a better player? No, I'm <laughs> wow. Well, no. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will answer that question. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I, I, I actually, I distinctly remember a time on the PC and it was, it was Quake uh-huh. where prior to Quake, you could just be a keyboard guy yeah. and it would be fine. But once you were really moving in three dimensions and it was real 3D, these mouse guys who had the, it was mouse look, I think they called it, you know, this notion where you could look around and you could be running forward but looking up there. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, that was something you could not do easily with just a keyboard. And I, I, I remember, I was, I've always been a really good typist. So in those days, we would type messages to each other. And I remember these people would always complain to me because I could type like a madman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know, they would type little three letter things and I would be like, you know, flying away with, I would be fighting and writing at the same time. But I would complain to those guys, you know, the most guys, I, like they were cheating or something. And um, that transition, I finally decided I need to figure that out, you know, and going to mouse plus keyboard was very difficult. But then you get into it and it's fine. And of course, years and years go by. Um, going to the controller on the 360 was the same thing. I was convinced that there was no way that a controller could be as accurate or as good as mouse plus keyboard because, you know, you know how it is in the shooter. You're, you can aim very accurately with a mouse and oh, so yeah, forth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt that if they were to make a game, like a Call of Duty-type game, where you were fighting between people with hand controllers and people on mouse and keyboard, that the hand controller people would have their, um, you know, behinds handed to them. Um, but that doesn't happen, right? So we just play against people who have controllers. And I have to say, I mean, through... It was Call of Duty 2, which was one of the launch titles for the 360 that convinced me that the controller was, in fact, a decent way to do a, a shooter. And the many Call of Duty-type games that have come out since then, not just Call of Duty, you know, Halo, of course, the Halo series on the 360, the Gears of War games, um, all of the Call of Duty and Call of Duty-like games, the Battlefield games, and so forth, have sort of brought this home, you know, that... Um, I think it works great. And I, I, I think there's a nice um, lack of complexity to the 360, you know, uh, that uh, in some ways makes up for the lack of customization or whatever those types of things, you know, higher resolutions and so forth, the things you do get on the PC. But yeah, um, yeah it's fine. It works great. I mean, I, I spent much of today, I had a lot of PC configuration stuff to do. So I had Black Ops going. <laughs> and as things were installing them, I played Black Ops literally all day today. Yeah. Um, I, the control is very natural for me. And, you know, and that's one thing, I, I guess, you know, when it comes to, you know, console gaming, obviously set, setting itself apart from PC gaming, is the lack of having to worry about configurations. Um, it just... Yeah. It just happens. You know, you don't have to worry about setting up your keyboard, setting up your buttons a certain way. I mean, obviously, <laughs> they, they, they do that on the console, but it's it's pretty much already mapped out for you. Uh, it's consistent. Yeah, you know, it's consistent. From machine to machine. I, yeah. I, I think the, the big difference that still exists, people have different um, connection speeds and so forth, and maybe that impacts some of these online games. But, um, you know, you know Re- Crisis was always that big one on the PC where when that game came out, that was like the litmus test. You know, do you have a real PC or not? And I remember, <laughs> can you run Crisis? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, can, right. Can you run it on anything that looks decent? And I remember... Because the guys that made that, you know, Crytek, you know, they had previously made Far Cry, which to me was one of the most beautiful oh, yeah. PC games ever made. I played through that several times just to look at it because it was so beautiful. <laughs> 
And when I ran Crisis on my PC at the time, which I considered to be a decent PC, I couldn't tell you what it was now, but um, Crisis looked worse than Far Cry on my PC. Way worse. And it was just, it wasn't enjoyable, you know? Yeah, well, it makes it frustrating because then the the bar keeps getting higher and higher as far as when it comes to graphics and and performance and gameplay. You always feel like you're two steps behind that bar. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the worst feeling when you buy a high-end video card and you you spend your four or $500 or whatever you're going to spend, and Mm -hmm. then you get it home, you install it, and then while you're testing out your graphics, you read a story, the new 590s are coming out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, come on. You hear an ad for it on the radio on the way home from the store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got we got some great stuff here. Uh, we got Mr. Paul Thorat uh, from the SuperSite for Windows Win. SuperSite.com, also the Windows Weekly podcast on the Twit Network. We're very happy to have him here. Uh, so last week... Uh, you didn't need to get it from us. We know that. But guess what? The iPhone 4S is out. Wow. Oh, is it, is it, did that happen? That did. <laughs> I, th- I thought I saw is that it in the too news. Late? Is it too late to order one? Uh, well, never too late, but you'll you'll be waiting probably a year or at least a month to probably get one. <laughs> you you already had one, didn't you? No, I have an iPhone. Well, I, I did, actually. <laughs> yeah. I had was, one on Friday. Was it physically in your hand? It, well, it was physically the box was in my hand. Okay. So very, uh, you know, on my way to the mailbox, a UPS guy showed up and dropped off two brand new iPhone 4s's, one in white and one in black, 64 gigs. Nice. Did you tell Joe you actually had a white one? I did. Uh, well, I told him I was ordering it. <laughs> oh, okay. So the 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 gist of the story here, folks, is we order these phones on Sprint. And don't worry, don't reach through your computer screen or your iPod and say, "What the hell are you doing, Chase? Why are you ordering it for Sprint?" <laughs> we thought we were going to save like 240 bucks a month a year. Uh, on the service, but then I realized Sprint's uh, data speeds are <clears throat> crap. Yeah. Uh, sorry, folks. Uh, but yeah, they're they're terrible. Um, and I actually saw there. If you do a Google search for on YouTube, uh, a, a gentleman did a. Uh, he had a three white iPhone 4s's, one on Verizon, one on AT and T, and one on Sprint. And on some of the non scientific tests that he did, he couldn't even complete the tests because the Sprint one didn't load the page fully. I mean, just nice. really bad data speeds. And so we decided, well, we're going to go ahead and cancel our order. So unfortunately, according to Sprint, they could not cancel our order. And they had to let it process through and let it deliver. And they said, hey, just take the phones back to the store. They'll be able to give you a full refund. No problem. I'm like, okay, fine. So I was probably the first iPhone 4S return in the country. I, I, I bet you I am. Well, you got to account for East Coast time. So maybe I'm not. But still, I was probably the first on the West Coast. <laughs> and I'm in the store, and I'm, I'm handing the phones to the agent. I'm like, yeah, we decided not to be Sprint customers. And actually, the agent was very nice. You know, he, he wasn't trying to convince me to stay. He started processing the return. And then he ran into a roadblock. See, we were trying to port our phone numbers from AT&T to Sprint. But the port didn't go through because we didn't activate the phones. Mm-hmm. So they had to cancel the port, and then according to their systems, well, since you cancel the port, we have to wait an hour before this other system shows that update. And they go, well, one thing we can do is just order a return kit and then send the phones back to Sprint. We'll take about 10 business days to get your refund. I'm like, what? No, I have products here. I want a refund. Long story short, they finally gave him a refund. Now, planning for this, 
I just uh, early on Monday this past week, I went into our local Best Buy, and they were taking fifty dollar deposits, cash deposits, to pre order the iPhone 4s for any any carrier, any size, any color. So I went in there, made the deposit. I was like, how many deposits are in front of me? And they, go, they go, actually, you're like third and fourth, so you should be good to go for Friday to pick up. No problem. So I'm like, great. So you know, um, I called Best Buy, and they go, well, we haven't received yours yet. Today's Friday, but we're receiving deliveries all morning. Uh, you should get it by the end of the day, probably no problem. Well, long story, long story short, I don't have an iPhone 4S because the Best Buy in my neck of the woods – never received any deliveries for any iPhone 4Ss in the 64-gig variety. They received every other size and color and platform or provider except for 64 gigs. Nice. I'm in the doghouse with my wife right now because she wanted this phone. And I was trying to deliver on launch day, and I failed miserably. Wait, wait, wait. Your wife actually wanted a 64-gig version of the phone? She did. I swear to it. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure I could fill a 64 gig. She's a big music hound. I mean, she oh. she's a she loves Spotify. She loves Pandora, but she will she will still down, uh, download. Stop talking about <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but she just yelled at me and said, "Stop talking about her." Um, I'll just close the door. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> we'll just ignore. Yeah, just yeah. Just right, right, right. Let it go. Away. We'll do. There. <laughs> no, but um, but she loves music and um, and she also loves apps. And uh, so she wanted the extra space. So, what are you on the other side of things, Paul? You just you don't, you don't think you need a huge phone? You just want you know, bare minimum? Well, uh, so I, I did in fact order an iPhone 4s. Um, I don't know that it's going to be my main phone, but I went with a 32 gig version. I mean, I, I my thing is I don't use the phone a lot around the house. So when I travel, I need it, and when I travel, I don't want to use up the battery. You know, on the <laughs> plane, that kind of thing. So. Yeah. I always, I mean, I'm kind of compulsive about it, I guess, but I always bring an iPod uh, just for the content, you know, for music and whatnot. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play around with that and see. But I, my music collection would not fill 32 gigs, and um, I, I think the big change as I get older is I, you know, in the beginning when you, when these phones come out, you get a lot of the apps, and you're like apps, 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 apps. And after a while, you're like, you know, I only use like three of these things. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I kind of get over that. So. You know, I'm I, I'm the same way. I, the, I I have a 32 gig iPhone 4 right now, and you know the only reason why I went for with the 64 gig because when I look at the price, it's like I'm gonna extend my contract two years to stay with AT and T and keep my precious unlimited data, and it's only a hundred dollars more, and I get double the space. But then again, maybe I'm just a marketing sap, right? I'm just like, <laughs> gosh, it's only a hundred bucks more, and I'm gonna get yeah. double the space. Yeah, sure. is, is your space full now? That's not the point. The no, point. is your space full now? <laughs> no. Okay, that's not the point, John. No, no, this is yeah, no. Well, it, it maybe it is the point. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I, I, was lo- I was looking at the iCloud stuff uh, just today, actually. That seems and, like know, a disaster you, in its own right, though. I mean, right well, now, you can right? pay, but you can pay for storage. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, and I'm trying to think why would I want to. Why would I do this? You know, as I have my credit card out trying to pay for storage, that I, it's sort of unclear what I need that storage for, or what I would ever use it for. You know, I don't know. I actually have no idea what I'm, what, why, what am I paying for there? I don't, I don't know. I'm still a little confused, obviously, with the whole iCloud service per se. I mean, obviously, it's it's meant for you know backing up of your iPhone and other iDevices yeah. and. 
uh, sync, synchronizing your stuff. I mean, right now I use Google to sync up all my contacts together. I use it for Gmail, so all my emails there. And so it, when I take a pic, I, maybe maybe Apple can put it in layman's terms for someone like me, where it's like, why do I really, really, really need iCloud per se? Because it still kind of confuses me where, you know, I have all these other services. Is it just because since it's built into the phone, that's really where it's going to benefit me and I don't have to worry about setting up configurations and that sort of thing, Paul? Or, I mean, why did you decide that you wanted to expand on the whole iCloud experience? Right. So, uh, I'm, <laughs> good question. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's, <laughs> this is a complicated subject. So, my... Uh, Apple ID is not a me.com account, so I can't use the mail part of it, right? I don't use me.com email. So I, for some reason, despite that, they let you have contacts in there, which of course I never use as a calendar, which I also do not use. But the real reason that I would use it, I guess, is that cloud-based backup of all the devices and then the ability to automatically or manually go and grab any content you've ever purchased on uh, the iTunes store. Right now it's just music and, and TV shows, but you can see that they're going to expand apps and that they'll eventually expand that to uh, movies, I'm sure. But it, it's fascinating to me to be able to gain access for that, to that stuff. You know, I, I love that they do that now because I bought a lot of stuff from Apple. And when this iTunes match thing comes out, I'm very curious about that as well because I would like to get nice 256K, really clean versions oh, of all yeah. the songs. So I, I'm eager to try that, but I, I still don't understand where the storage allotment comes in here because, and I'm trying. I'm looking at the website now, and I don't. It, I can't even. Yeah, that's I, that's what I was going to ask you, Paul, and figure and see. Man, I, I know I can get a good answer from Paul about is iCloud. And, yeah. Uh, no. So, but, well, in other words, I so <laughs> I was on the i uh, the iOS five beta, and they yeah. wipe out all that information, so I have no historical usage statistics. But I have an iPod Touch, and I have an uh, iPhone 3GS right now. And I have an iPad. So they've all been updated to the latest version. They're all backing up to the cloud. They're all syncing some things back and forth and so forth. Okay. So that stuff all works. But every time I, – I can't find it right now. But every time I've gone and looked at the amount of storage I'm using, it's like 1.1% of nothing. It's like nothing. <laughs> and so you know, maybe the backups add up over time. And, but even if they do, like so what? Like why would I want a backup from three months ago? I'm not sure what, um, what, what I would be storing there. I'm not an Apple guy, so I'm not going to use iWork and, and store documents up there. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess PhotoStream must fall into this in part of that story. Well, I'm not I, sure. I, I can see, you know, uh, photographers maybe heavily using uh, this kind of service where it kind of synchronizes across platform. Um, I know a lot of photographers who love to use uh, like a MacBook Air. Or mm-hmm. you know their Mac Pros, and now obviously if they're taking maybe a picture with their 4S or 4, and then it helps with their process flow, and it flows you know to to their their iCloud, and they can push out to a separate uh, Twitter stream or Flickr stream or however they want to do that. Yep, I can see where that would be very beneficial, but for you know common people, I guess, or no one that doesn't need it specifically, it's it feels more gimmicky to me. More like a bullet, more like a bullet point. Um, I mean, I yeah. love. I mean, I love the fact that yeah, you can go down, go ahead and download old uh, old apps uh, uh, on your phone. And it says iCloud, but I don't really feel like that's an iCloud thing. I think they're just throwing that marketing on it and saying, oh yeah, you can download old, your old old apps. 
and see what you downloaded two years ago. And, uh, and yeah, never get rid of the ones that are dumb because right. they're going to be there forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do like the notion that you're syncing and replicating and backing up photos is great. You know, uh, Windows Phone has something like that, but it's it only goes to SkyDrive and it doesn't actually upload the full res version of the photo, which is ridiculous. Oh, geez. It's like not having a backup, you know. Um, what's worse than not having a backup? It's having a low resolution uh, you know, <laughs> version of that file. It's, it's very strange. So, no, it just I mean, proves that you I, took the picture. Yeah, I did. Look, you can see a, a representation of it, like a thumbnail. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wish they had that on Windows Phone. But I, 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 I sort of give Apple credit on the photo side at least. I, I, just, I just don't understand the extra storage aspect of it. So this is something I'm looking into. You know, I'm, I'm going to write something about it someday. But right now I'm just... I just don't get it. Well, bits, as you know, Paul, are a very precious resource. <laughs> yes, they are. And uh, we need to make sure we protect these bits at all cost. Uh, right, John? I mean, yeah, just, just don't take a bite out of your bits. <laughs> uh, that was I real. just want to give Apple more <laughs> money. I'm, I'm just looking for a justification. That's true. That's you true. Know? So you said you, you picked – so you actually ha- – do you have the 4S in your possession? Or no, no, it had, no. So I was away last week, and I sort of dithered on this: should I pre-order it? Should I yeah. do this and that? So I got home on Friday, or well, actually on Thursday, and um, I didn't get up in the morning. I, I don't think I would have been physically capable of getting <laughs> up in the morning. Um, so I just got on the web and I just ordered it. You know, so it's going to be here in a week or ten days or whatever it is. Um, so that's now, fine. are you an AT and T user? Or are you a Verizon or a, what's? A, what's I, mean, your I am personally AT and T. All right. So, are you on the grandfather data right now? Yeah. Yep. Unlimited data. I know uh, so a couple of guys in our chat room, uh, MediaCast guy, chimed in, and there was some confusion that people who updated to the 4S was lo- mm-hmm. they were losing their unlimited data. Uh, I've been seeing some conflicting news reports, but when I went through the buy flow. I I was able to keep it no sweat, no problem. Yeah, so was I. Okay, so uh, it was probably just some wording on AT&T's part. Then again, if you're able to actually access the AT&T website or or anything (laughs) like that. So it's funny. I I tried to order this a couple of different ways and then canceled it the last minute a couple of times. And I did actually get it to work on AT&T, but ultimately ordered it from Apple and I don't know why. <laughs> no, no good reason. I, yeah, I, you know, it's like, and that's the thing, right? I mean, obviously, Apple kind of sets a, a weird precedent here where when a phone comes out, let's say like uh, like the Evo, John has an Evo, mm-hmm. you don't go and order directly through AT, HTC, you order through the carrier, you go to Sprint mm-hmm. or you go to AT&T. But this yep. is just so weird with Apple. It's like, yeah, you, you come to us or you can go to your provider. But it feels like, isn't it just the same thing anyway? Or you're just looking for a different experience, more with a nice silk lining. And uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's just kind of weird how Apple does that. But it works yeah, out. It is unique, yeah. Did you pick up the Apple Care Plus? Uh, I, no, no, I did not. Okay. And good man. man. There's always... <laughs> There's always square trade, I guess. I always like to throw the square well, trade roadblock at people. And I suppose there's always a chance to do it still, right? Until um, Well, according to Apple, and I was reading a, a story about this, because uh, depending on your carrier, you, some, uh, it was allegedly supposed to be that you could only get it when you bought the phone. However, some buy flows when you're going through the website didn't even offer it. So yeah. I think if you bring your unopened, this is what I read. 
if bring you it bring into your, the store. But it has to be unopened. You can't yep. have it open, and you have to bring it within 30 days uh, to what, an iPhone what, store. What human or, being could receive one of these things in the mail and not open it? Well, I guess you did. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel but, like I was Nice getting, restraint. I always feel like I was getting set up on that one. Uh, well, uh, in your defense, it was a Sprint version, it so was. that might be a little easier. You know, and my wife was right. right there, and I was saying, hey, yeah. honey, we can open them. And she's like, are you kidding? No. <laughs> I don't want wow. that crap. She was very adamant. She, did, I mean, she uses her phone quite a bit, and she doesn't yep. want to be slow, and I, and I respect that. Well, I, I did read, though, that AT&T, uh, since these phones are capable of the, the higher HS, uh, DPA speeds, right. they want to have the 4G logo. On their phones? Yeah, 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 yeah. That seems a little... Uh... <laughs> well, that's what AT&T... Yeah, you know, it's it's at and that is 4G, so... Yeah, well, I... Did you hear about that, John? What? So, so AT&T, uh, you know, these phones are capable of the higher HSD DPA speed, so yeah. a little bit higher download throughput up to... I think it's like 11 megabytes, Suppos- supposedly. Your mileage may vary, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what they want to do is they want to change the little 3G... A logo on the phone, you know, that's on the yeah. screen to a 4G and saying that's 4G speeds. Because it is minimally, technically 4G speeds, but mm-hmm. it's not really like, it's not like LTE or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> no. John, remember 50%. We talked 50%, about this. Yeah. We learned about no, it. No, actually, I'm kind of worried about next year when they're coming around with, you know, you know me. Oh, with Sprint and LTE. Yeah, dropping their, yeah. their WiMAX. You know me, I'll, I'll hold on to a phone as long as the thing keeps charging, the battery keeps charging. Well, Paul, you know, one thing you obviously don't know about John here is John got his first smartphone last year. He was yeah. using a candy bar phone forever. and uh, <laughs> Well, that I mean, I, I held on to that one because it was that was work provided, well, so I, know. I didn't have to have a phone. <laughs> I know. but, but I, I, You know, you're in good company. It's okay. Yeah. I mean... Um, Half of the world is still using, and more than half, you know, are still using those kind of phones. Yeah. It's fine. Well, they just teased me. Well, yeah, from just a flip phone, I was like, well, yeah, cool app. I pushed this button and made a phone call, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, so you already have something that the AT&T iPhone does not, so yeah. there you go. The ability to make dependable phone calls. <laughs> yes, yeah. but, you know, then I stepped right into a, an H, you know, the a, a Sprint, Sprint, Sprint the, yeah. the Evo. Um, now, I, I, Chase had talked to me a little bit, you know, prior to his purchase stuff and i said well yeah the marysville area here the sprint signals are pretty crappy yeah um you know well they're they're so crappy in fact paul where i live i have a work provided sprint blackberry and mm -hmm. it's so bad that i have one of those uh, fem2 cell units sitting on my shelf here uh, that you know that gives me coverage uh, because i honestly i had basically one to no bars in my I thought what you were going to say was it was so bad I didn't even notice when there was an outage this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, compared you know to where where I live, I've got good four G coverage you know in the house you know that mm-hmm. they're saying you know so I'm in a pretty strong area uh, you know for bars and and the four the G coverage. But yeah, it's like going well. I guess when it goes to WiMAX, I'll just be a three G only person. <laughs> Or the one they lose the WiMAX. Well, they'll probably offer customers like you, John, a special promotion to get their next phone. <laughs> yes, probably. But right. Or, or then you'll just come on over to, uh, to AT&T or Verizon or whoever. I will say it, this, though. There's one thing that I did like about Sprint that did attract me, but it didn't push me over, was the whole uh, Google Voice integration with Sprint lines. Yeah. That you know they have that relationship where you can use Google Voice services with your Sprint phone number and not have to worry about, you know, 
importing it or whatever, which is kind of cool. Um, yep. Um, one thing about the 4S, uh, Mr. Paul, that you may not realize or not, uh, I saw this uh, story on Engadget. The 4S lacks the enable 3G switch in their software. I did see that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and this is one of those things where you know I'm a I do I did jailbreak my my four and it's still jailbroken with iOS five, and I like the ability to be able to turn off my data or at least a minimum drop me down to edge speeds to help extend my battery life. Um, yep. Obviously, this is a carrier specific decision, um, and obviously this is something that AT and T and uh, Sprint and Verizon are doing. How do you feel about this? I, uh, are they doing this intentionally to make the user you think that they're always on three G, or they don't want them to see that E, or what? Well, wouldn't you? See, you would still see the E. Wouldn't you would you? still see In, the E if obviously you're in an outside of a three G area, but yeah. they want to make uh, sure, I guess. The only time I ever used that um, switch was actually in Europe, and th- there's a weird thing. That I've experienced with Windows Phone and iPhone, when you go to Europe and you switch between networks there, you often have to just turn the phone off, you know, <laughs> it just to, and then reach and turn it on, and then it connects because th- there's something weird. Um, you know, you'll be on. I, I have to make up the network names, but you'd be on uh, so, Orange network in, in Orange, you know, and then you would switch to O2, right? And it would it would make the switch, but then nothing would work. All uh, of a sudden, your email would stop coming in, whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the little um, things you could do rather than turning it on and off on uh, on the iPhones before was you could do that switch. And for some reason, it, once you got it connected just over edge speeds, then you could flip 3G back on and it would work, you know. And barring that, you would just turn it on, uh, turn it off, turn it on. But, um, you know, with Windows Phone um, this past week, for example, uh, that was something I had to do. It, you know, you would... Switch networks, and all of a sudden, you'd realize nothing was happening, and yeah. you just, just put, you know yank the battery out and reboot it. So it's just that's very, really the only time. I was going to say it's just it's very weird that they're doing it for the four S uh, and not for the four. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it's very odd that they're really being I don't know they're singling out the phone. And maybe that it has, it has it's on? hardware. Maybe it's hard related to how the hardware handles things. You think? I mean, or I mean the, the, firmware. the the well the four S. You know, it can handle the. Uh, more actually, you know, it could, obviously it's it's handling it's a dual mode phone. Yeah, and but you said you know it's, it's odd it was four S and not the other ones. That's true. It's not the yeah the four still has the switch in the software, but not the four S, which is very weird. Um, I, yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit um, uh, some Microsoft news, which now I know uh, Paul's gonna be like, yay! I can talk about <laughs> what I know, really good stuff. Uh, no, but well, first off, obviously. Uh, you know, we use this software on a regular basis all the time. Uh, we do it mm-hmm. for our show, and this is how we're bringing you in today, and that's through Skype. And as of late Thursday, uh, Microsoft announced that they finally officially closed uh, its acquisition of Skype, an $8.5 billion deal. Yep. It's, it's now going to becoming an internal division of Microsoft. Well, get your drivers all fixed up. Uh, you know, and that... <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing, you know, obviously, I was listening to the last Windows Weekly, Paul, and, and yep. you and Leo and Mary Jo were all talking about it. I, You know, I'm using an older version of Skype because mm-hmm. every time they seem to update, what seems to occur is one feature that I used all the time is now gone. And one of those features that I used I use all the time, and I use it, I even used it with you, Paul, is yep. a little, there's a little volume slider. Yes. And I use it religiously so I can control volume levels. 
that's gone <laughs> if I updated to the new version of Skype. And then sometimes I come home from work and I notice it updated automatically and then I start yelling and go back to oldversion.com and grab an old version. Um, yep. What do you think, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Paul, about, about the whole Skype thing? I don't, you know, I, I have to go back to what I wrote at the time when they announced the thing, which was simply that I didn't quite understand why they needed Skype. You know, yeah. Microsoft has uh, fairly rich internet communications capabilities in Messenger and now in Link, you know, for businesses. And it seems like Skype is somewhat redundant. And looking at it objectively, it seems like what they're really buying here is the brand. Yeah. You know, that they want that Skype logo and they want it to be in the Outlook toolbar and they want it to be in the Internet Explorer toolbar. And, they want people to see that Skype logo because, you know, Skype is a very popular consumer brand, and that's something Microsoft doesn't have a lot of. Uh, in fact, I think they just have one popular consumer brand, essentially, Xbox. Yeah. So I think it was like their way of buying another popular consumer brand, essentially. I, I have, you know, a friend of mine, you know, uh, one of the only few people who actually watches and listens to our show. And by the way, Paul, that's one of our ongoing themes. We think no one cares and watches or listens. Um, okay. <laughs> it makes us feel better. Well, when we're, well, John, no one watches or listens to our show. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, I wasn't listening. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> sorry. I'm actually playing a video game while you guys are talking, but please continue. Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. yeah blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Skype, Microsoft, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, you know, one of my buddies, he was he was telling me, ah, uh, so uh, you, you may not have a show much longer. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you know, you know, Microsoft Skype, you know, that's that's going to get all screwed up and effed up. You know it will. I'm like, no, it won't. It, it, yeah, Microsoft would not let that happen. Um, now, granted, I did I did have a good chuckle when I when I heard the comment on your show. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it might have been Leo saying, yeah, we're going to have uh, Skype Home. Uh, Skype Home Premium, uh, sure. Skype Ultimate, um, Xbox ex- Xbox exclusive, Xbox only uh, version. I, I don't I don't <laughs> see much of a change. I mean, I, I think it, the more likely scenario is that the, the client stays the same and, and all the same platforms, and that yeah. it just gets kind of integrated. You know, I think we're going to see Skype integration in everything, just like you see Bing integration or search integration in, in all their products. I think this will just be one of those things that just permeates everything they do. Is it fair to speculate, perhaps maybe minutely being optimistic where yep. it's actually going to get better? I mean, here, here's a great example. I use Skype religiously for, for what we do. And um, now the webcam uh, that I'm using so you could see me and I'm sending video back to you is a Logitech C910. And it works yep. incredibly well. It's HD. It works. Mm-hmm. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Now, I can't use a Microsoft Life Cam Cinema, even though it's a 720p camera with I, Skype. I, I understand. <laughs> yes. I have one, too, and cannot use it either. Yep. Yeah. Now, it makes me wonder, I mean, obviously, do you, do you think, you know, with the whole acquisition, we might actually see a, an improvement with Skype, maybe? With um, drivers and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. As I was teasing earlier. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Do you ever see, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Skype is used uh, on cell phones um, mm-hmm. and, and used on tablets and many different platforms. Are we going to be seeing Skype uh, possibly coming over to the 360 and being used there as a communication method? Oh, def- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, in the same way that you can, if you want to, post to Twitter or post to Facebook on the 360, you'll be able to communicate via Skype. In fact, I think one of the cool things that could happen would be 
you know, multi-panel games where you've got a Skype group thing going on and the game's being played and we all see everything on the screen at the same time. I mean, I think they're going to do some nice integration there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you know, you know, people can do the whole video chat thing right now with the, with Kinect or if you have one of the original Xbox 360 cameras, which I wish Microsoft would fix. If you have them both plugged in at the same time, it will tell mm-hmm. you to unplug one so you can use the other. Yeah. It's um, a little annoying bug that I don't like, but eh, oh, whatever. Um, other, other, you know, Microsoft news, and this is not really a story that I had in the rundown, but mm-hmm. we've talked about Windows 8 here on the show, and, yep. and we saw uh, the interface unveiling, and obviously based upon the Metro UI, and, you know, looks a lot like Windows Phone 7, but on your, on your desktop screen, and they're trying to come with this one uniform platform and user interface. Yeah. Um, now, one thing that, you know, John and myself and, and Joe, Joe's a sysadmin uh, for, mm-hmm. uh, for a government agency in Oregon, and, we you know, we saw this, and we're just like, oh, God, oh, man. And, you know, obviously as advanced users as, as we are and, and gamers, we have a huge concern about um, the future of, of PC gaming in regards with the operating system. And um, when we see the Windows 8 interface, you know, obviously it's all focused on apps, uh, yep. you know, the app store. Um, and then you have uh, these huge games, you know, like Battlefield 3 and uh, you know, mm-hmm. Call of Duty coming down the pipe. I mean, has there been any really... Uh, and we know there's going to be Xbox 360 integration and Xbox Live integration with the PC, but has there any been, anything been really unveiled about the whole PC gaming and how that will integrate with Windows 8? Yeah, I don't know how public this is, but I can tell you a conversation I had with um, Jensen Harris. You know, he was telling me that um, people overlook because, and I, this is something maybe Microsoft didn't do a good job of communicating at Build. You know, people overlook the fact that. This new UI, this new runtime is not just for these Fisher-Price looking HTML apps that are really simple and and silly and all that. It's not just for weather apps and simple games and all that. Um, In addition to all of the standard ways of writing apps, um, you know, C Sharp, C++, straight C, whatever it is, or the HTML type stuff. You know, there's a third way you can target this new runtime, and that third way is DirectX. And... What he, the way he described it to me was that if you look at any modern game, Battlefield 3, Modern Warfare 3, whatever it is, there's no reason that that game could not be written for this new runtime. You don't lose anything. There's no performance hit of any kind. It's not like a layer on top of a layer. It's, you, you can write the most amazing possible game, and it would run under this new runtime. But when you do that, what you gain are all of the system capabilities that are inherent to this new runtime. So, for example, you get those edge UIs. So, while you're in a game, it's sort of, you know, you know how a game works on uh, a phone. You know, a notification comes in, you get the little bar that comes down at the top. Those things will work in Windows as well because now notifications are system-wide. You can also move the cursor over to the edge of the screen to bring up those edge UIs or however they're going to do it with the mouse and keyboard. I think they're actually going to change that. Um, These games can take advantage of all of the built-in contracts. Um, that are available in Windows 8, things like, you know, share, play to, et cetera, et cetera. So right. um, if anything, I mean, the truth is, even the, the reason I don't think they've communicated this effectively is people walked away from build saying, yeah, you know, this looks interesting and even powerful, but you're never going to be able to do Photoshop with this, or you're never going to be able to do Microsoft <laughs> Office, or yeah. you're never going to be able to do a game, a, a good game, like a really nice game, like a modern game. 
And those things aren't, aren't actually true. And I, I think one of the things that's going to change people's opinions is that sometime during this pre-release phase, that store is going to open up and developers are going to start giving away and even selling Windows 8 applications and games. And we're going to see things that are fairly sophisticated. And I think that's going to change a lot of people's minds that, you know, right now, because they wanted to highlight the fact that, you know, this environment is easy to target. So we had these interns write these really simple apps. Um, they also had these interns write these really simple Yeah, apps, exactly. And, and, they're, and, and they're really simple and they're stupid. So people who use Windows 8 today are always going back to the desktop to do real work, you know, and that's not the way it's going to be eventually. So I would just say hold on and wait because I think some exciting stuff is coming. Yeah, so so obviously like the advanced gamer like John playing Eve or myself, you know, playing you know, Battlefield 3 or, or something to that effect, yeah. we, we shouldn't be scared uh, at this point. But one thing that obviously scares me a little bit is the whole tiled user interface. Um, and obviously, I know I know the desktops there, but obviously, mm-hmm. Microsoft doesn't really want us using that per se. They right. they they want us to use the the tile interface. And you know, I, I have a beautiful you know twenty twenty four inch Dell monitor that you know is about five years old. It's not touch or anything, but I love it. Yep. I don't really want to be looking at you know huge well, three inch by three inch tiles. But you may you may I want may? to oh. you may. Um, if you think about, you know, again, power users are a tough one because yeah. you're very, you and we, you know, we, we are very set in our ways and we want things a very particular way. You know, like I said, I've spent a lot of the weekend reinstalling Windows and <laughs> I do things in a very particular way. You know, um, there's nothing to look at on that screen today. So you're looking at it and it's blinking and it's doing stuff and you're thinking this is ridiculous. I don't want this. But when, when those things are full of information that you do want. Um, when it is showing you that a new email has come in or showing you your next calendar item and it's showing you um, what's going on on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, uh, when these things are all happening in concert and you don't have to go back and forth between the different tabs in a browser or the different application windows, which is what you're doing today to get that same information, you may may find yourself actually wanting that information. Mm. The other thing I just throw out is, you know, um, one of the things that's nice about the Xbox 360 is it's a different thing, right? So, I can have my computer in front of me, and over on the side, I have the Xbox 360. And when an email comes in, there are two different things. So right, I, can, yep. I can deal with the email. You know? So if you're playing a game on the PC today, um, I, I guess we all handle those things a little differently. But chances are, every once in a while, you pause the game and you alt-tab to whatever to, to make sure you're not missing anything. And you know, if you have an email that's important, you deal with it. And if you don't, you go back to the game and you play. Well, you know, in this new Windows 8, uh, operating system with the new notifications and so forth, it's possible and probable that you'll be getting notification overlays on top of the screen, just at the top or the side or however they do it. And uh, you'll be able to tell at a glance that you can keep going or have to stop and go look at, you know, and go do something. And um, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to sort of imagine it now because those things aren't there yet. But I think that six months from now or nine months from now or a year from now, this story is going to be very different because instead of saying, oh, I don't want it this way, you're going to wonder how you ever got along with your computer when it wasn't that way. Go ahead, John. Oh, well, you know, I was going to say a lot of people with the bigger monitors, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't. it's probably going to be a small percentage. Like myself, with I'm when I'm playing Eve, actually run it in a windowed mode because I have other things going on, you know, yep. um, TeamSpeak going on around the side of it. Um clicking in and out of web pages and stuff, you know, kind of multitasking while I'm playing the game. Um, right. Yeah, and of course, you can't quite pause Eve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's not like it. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. 
you know, like I said, though, you know, as far as gamers, I think most people with the bigger monitors, you know, do that, you know, with the windowed mode where they're kind of multitasking. Run one thing and one thing and... Yeah, but so I mean, obviously there is a form of multitasking yeah. that occurs in Windows Eight. So, um, but that'll I, still be there though, because there's going to be your desktop mode, and if you need to run it in a windowed setting, you, yeah. you could probably still do that, right, Paul? I mean, well, uh, yeah, but I mean, you could even um, you could have Eve playing on, on you know three quarters of the screen or whatever it is, and you know you have to get that slice on the side where it's maybe your email application or your web browser or whatever it is. Yeah, and you can still have both of those things on the screen at the same time. You can't tile. Eight different windows, like you might be able to do today. Right. Uh, so it is going to be more limited in that fashion. But you know, <laughs> Microsoft is big on data these days, and I'm sure they have data that will prove nobody does what you're saying that people do all the time. <laughs> um, and I, by which I mean, of course, people really do do that, but there may be a small percentage overall. Yeah. Like I, I was saying, I was going, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I'm probably in a small percentage that you know does stuff like that compared to yeah. I, I think we we both are, John, and Joe is too included, and I know Paul is probably to a certain degree as well. I mean, we we do our, we, you know, we're the power user. You know, we're not our grandma and grandpa and dad and mom and people who just use the computer for web surfing and email um, and mm-hmm. play the occasional Facebook game. Uh, you know, that's. Sure. I mean, obviously, Microsoft is looking at the the majority of the people who are using the PC. And, you know, it's not the gamers. Now, I will say this, though. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Windows 8 and the Windows 8 App Store, could this, Paul, be a realistic competitor to Steam? I mean, obviously, Steam is huge for gaming. You know, most of the game uh, game manufacturers are there. Obviously, EA is not with Battlefield 3, but that's a whole separate story. Um, <laughs> yep. But yep. Uh, with their whole origin service. But sure. Uh, is there is there a possible competitor here with with uh, gaming and an app store and obviously built right into Windows? Yes, um, I don't know what their plans are with regards to gaming per se. I mean, they've obviously had games for Windows Live or whatever sure. they're calling it this week for a long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> nobody seems to use it. And I, I and I will say this: I mean, uh, a lot of the hardcore gamers. I personally didn't mind it because I was earning achievements on both sides, uh, but. Yep. But there was, there were some gamers that just detested it. They hated it. I mean, they didn't like it at all. Uh, but obviously, you know, with the whole Xbox yeah. Live integration, it's kind of coming back in a way. I think the... Look, you, you can buy games electronically from a variety of places, right? You can go to Steam, you can go to, you know, GOG.com, you can go to Amazon.com. Uh, used to be able to go to Microsoft. It will be again. You know, <laughs> Microsoft. Yeah. Um, there's no reason you can't have these things coexisting on your system. I mean, you could be playing the Half-Life games through Steam. You could be playing Gears of War through sure. Xbox Live or whatever they're going to call it uh, on the on the PC. So yeah, these things don't necessarily, you know, I mean, they compete, but you know, maybe they compete in the sense that I want to buy a particular game. Where is it available? And you have your list of, you know, it's like when you buy music, you know. You might, most people, I bet, well, most people probably just go to one store, but power users might think, well, I know there are at least three decent stores. Let me see where the best price is, and I'll just buy it there, because wherever I buy it, it's going to work everywhere anyway. It doesn't really matter, you know? And, and there's no reason you can't approach um, games in the, in the same way. Now, obviously, with the Xbox Live integration with Windows 8, um, are we going to see the actual ability 
to play Xbox 360 titles on the PC, or is that just no. more of a fantasy in a room? That'll be PC Live. Yeah, PC Live. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fantasy. <laughs> okay. I don't. I, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I mean, obviously the one thing when it comes to gaming on consoles and PCs is the consoles is one constant. Everybody has the same hardware. Yeah, you, you, you can't you, do that. Yeah, you, you know, Ram will be like, "Why isn't my Gears of War working on the computer? I don't understand." So, no, no, it's <laughs> need more gigahertz. I, yeah, <laughs> right. Install Trade Wars, Grandma. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, obviously, uh, let's move on. Uh, we're already going there now. Let's, let's move mm-hmm. on to a few few gaming uh, topics. One of the the big. Uh, Xbox uh, games that are is is you know, obviously a re-release, uh, and we've started to see some details come out about is Halo uh, and the Connect and how the new Halo game uh, will integrate with Connect. Uh, now, Connect obviously the uh, hands-free, you are the controller attachment for the Xbox mm-hmm. 360. Uh, the Halo Connect will uh, integration will offer voice commands. Um, and gesturings and other other types of things. We're starting to see this now more and more. Uh, Forza Four is another uh, yeah. plays good with Connect, where it analyzes your head tracking and that sort of thing. Um, obviously, now this is Microsoft and Connect trying to get in, involved, where it's not just a, a gimmicky adventure or sports title. They're trying to integrate it with with controller and and do both at the same time. Um, Optimistic about this, Paul? I mean, obviously, as a first-person shooter, as yourself. Yeah, not really. Uh, and, no. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. To me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, honestly, I, the only place where the Kinect has any room in a real in a real game, if you will, a, a hardcore game, is the voice command stuff. Yeah. And that has that has some possibilities, but you know, the notion that someone's going to stand there with their hands in the air like an idiot uh, trying to shoot somebody is ridiculous. You know. Um, when the Nintendo Wii was first out, maybe the first year or two, um, they made a version of Call of Duty 3. And, and you would oh, use I the nunchuck uh, oh. controller to throw grenades. Yeah. And um, I had played through <laughs> Call of Duty 3 a number of times. I understood the game very well. I thought it would be interesting to try that. And I think I lasted about 15 minutes before I thought, this is the stupidest Wasted time. I, it was just ridiculous. And uh, aside from the fact the graphics were also terrible. Now, do you have to? Um, do you have to yell pew 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 when you go to shoot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, there's. You could almost picture some realism at being added by speaking to the thing. You know that it, if there was some interaction in that way, as long as it was fairly seamless, I could maybe. You know. Um, now the but, key, key word for headshot was blam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blam, headshot. It was all, all the yeah, all the Batman keywords you had to know. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't I just this sounds gimmicky to me. Well, obviously, you know, Microsoft, you know, they're 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 trying to include it in a lot of their their games. Um more more modern games are modern games. They're all modern, but we all you all know what I'm trying to say, yeah. folks. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the bigger end titles, you know, they Microsoft is definitely probably pushing the developer to say, hey, you know, and try to include some Connect features, yep. um, and you know, with with Forza, a great example is if you're in in the cockpit camera mode, and it will track your head. So if you turn left, your your head, your 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 view focuses to left and to the right, and so forth. I would say that though, probably doing that it would be real, maybe a little annoying because you got to hold your head perfectly still if you want to look straight. 
I guess. But, uh, I mean, it seems pretty neat. I, I do like the, the voice command, you know, and it works fairly well. Uh, but, you know, I part of my problem here at my house, and I don't know if it is at your house, Paul, is the... Um, the whole uh, the whole situation where you're you're out of space or you don't have a lot of room or you're farther away than TV than the I was just the, yeah I was yeah. just thinking this uh, this stuff works well in a in a demo situation if you have yeah. a, if you happen to live in a McMansion or whatever and you have some huge <laughs> room that you know your TV is in I don't and the the game I happen uh, rather the room I happen to play video games in here in the office is a very small room um, I think a lot of people play games in the dark where Connect is useless. So it, I just <clears throat> it just is not you, you have to contort too many things to work the way this thing works before you can use it. And I just don't think it's as generally applicable, <clears throat> you know, across the board. Uh, let's see here. <coughs> final uh, final gaming story I'd like to get Paul's thoughts about and then we'll move on to our uh, uh, actually a couple of stories and we'll move on to our picks of the week mm-hmm. um, is. Um, Talking about, as we kill Paul uh, before the end of the show, um, downloadable content. Now, one thing is apparent, and, and we talked about the, the whole season pass with Forza as a great example where for, like, I believe it was $99 for the entire year, you get all the uh, expansion packs and all the extra cars and tracks and everything that will come out for that particular game for, for a whole year. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Call of Duty is doing a, a very similar thing. No doubt we're going to see something like that with Battlefield 3. And, you know, Joe and and I, we've all had this argument where sometimes we get the impression that developers are sometimes holding off on adding cool and interesting features and modes and maps into games because of downloadable content. Or on the flip side, uh, they... um, Maybe a game's not ready to be released, but they release it anyway, and they go, oh, don't worry, we'll throw it in a uh, content pack uh, in a couple of months. Um, <laughs> yeah. How, how, do well, you, how do you feel about it, Paul? It depends on how it's done. I, I, I think in the Call of Duty games, most of which have been very well supported by uh, additional map packs, yeah. it's not like that. You know, that uh, this stuff wasn't... It, was, it ships later not because it wasn't ready for the real game. It's because, you know... You, you pay $60 for a game, you get a single-player campaign, you get a multiplayer uh, experience of some kind, maybe you get co-op, you get some number of maps, you know? Right. Um, the guys from Treyarch in particular have done an awesome job of supporting the their games with uh, additional content. You know, I, I think four or five map packs for each of the past couple of games they've done. You know, Modern Warfare 2, uh, which was done by Infinity Ward, I think only had one, if I'm not mistaken, I think one map pack, you know? Um, and there's some inconsistencies between what you get between the two companies, you know, because they're on that weird every other uh, game system where different companies are making the games. But um, I, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to Call of Duty, which is the one thing I know the most about, those additional map packs are just added value and they keep you playing the game longer. You know, once you, uh, if you play the game on multiplayer of whatever kind for some number of months, you know, it's the same thing over and over again. It gets boring. Yeah. And then you get a new map pack, and it kind of adds to the mix, you know. Um, I, I, I actually think Call of Duty should take a step back on the next version and just release a multiplayer Call of Duty that literally has all of the map packs dating back to Call of Duty 2 oh. um, as the game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, and, and that would be awesome because there are, there are maps from World at War and 
Call of Duty uh, 4 and uh, even Call of Duty 2 that I sort of missed because they were only available back, you know, in that original game. And um, I think that would actually be kind of a neat thing to do. What's that, John? I just, yeah, kind of backport it. Yeah. Yeah. I miss miss United Offensive. Did you ever play Call of Duty United Offensive, Paul? Yep. Yes, I did. Uh, On the the PC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, they never never came out on the console, but... It was yeah. the first ever really true expansion pack. I mean, I, in the disc, I think, just, you know, it's expansion pack. And they had I, two. Actually, there was, a, there was another one um, whose name escapes me, but that was one of the two they did for the original Call of Duty. Yeah, and I got to say, I loved United Offensive. I loved jumping in yep. your in the Jeep and going for that cap point. And it was, <laughs> oh, I mean, it was between yeah. that and Battlefield 2, I played probably more than anything else. Thanks to X-Fire, which helps track all of your gaming usage. <laughs> um, right, right, right. So, um, so we're going to move on to our, our picks of the week, and these okay. are these are the coolest, uh, neatest, or geekiest gaming item that we can think of or, or talk about. And I'm going to give a little bit of stalling time to Paul before we go to him. So first, <laughs> we're going to go to John Kessler. Yep. And John Kessler, what is your pick of the week, 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 week? My pick of the week... Um is an Android only app, and wait, wait, an app? Yes, it's an app. You actually buy apps, John? Or no, inst- no it's a free. <laughs> oh, okay, it's free. It's free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it goes. It goes along with my paid game. Uh, your okay. paid game. <laughs> yeah, that, there you, you go. that you would never pay for. But, yeah. Okay. Um, Eve, Eve online. Um, and what is the name of this app? Aura. Aura. A U R A is the name. I'm going to plug that this week. Um, All right. So we're, we're taking a look at it and throwing up screenshots. So what does this do? Um, this little app, it kind of helps you track your character. Oh, I see that. And assets. They've recently... Um, Whoa, wow. So it can actually you, you can actually control your character and help... No, that's one thing. Is, no, you can view everything. Oh, you view. Can't, yeah. You, okay. Um, All right. And I'm trying to get your new your other pad turned on here. Uh, don't bit. worry. I, I have screenshots showing okay. up on, on, on the screen right now. Um, and, and until tonight, I hadn't seen the limited API input. I did that on your pad over there. Um, the current one, I mean, it's kind of nice because I I can finally got a great picture of how many ships that I have and where the hell they're scattered throughout the game. So this helps basically track everything that's going on with you yep, my character. in the game. Wow, um, that's really cool. It's especially useful if you're an EVE Online player. Yeah, and actually I, I heard uh, last weekend uh, talking to my brother about it, my my sister-in-law was saying, yeah, he put the car mount for his phone next to the computer so he can have the app up on his phone oh, wow. <laughs> while he's playing the game Wow, that's to try useful. to uh, keep track of everything. Um, I actually even broke down yesterday because I was trying to find a certain ship, and I couldn't remember where, where the hell I had it in the game. Um, but they do have, like I said, Eve is kind of, they did have two different API keys, You know, your, a full one and a limited they're actually rolling out a update to their API system. Um, unfortunately, like uh, if you have, if if a person has Evemon, that'll take care um, advantage of the of the new API. Um, Eve fitting tool has not updated yet to take that. Cool. Um, but the uh, Aura here, they've got a bunch of stuff like a podcast Eve related stuff. They've got a you know, there's a bunch of stuff right now. It just says coming soon. So, so they they have. I mean, it's it's not only just an app to help track your character, but it's also a good resource for other news and uh, information yeah. about Eve. Yep, you can uh, see what's going on in the markets. Very cool. Um, your your items database. Um, 
Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I see that here. So it's yeah. fr- it's free for the Android, not available on iPhone or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. iOS. Uh, but hey, you know, um, obviously, if you're playing Eve, you're probably an Android user, right? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no, you know, like now it's like going, gee, uh, you know, is the, is, are the servers up? I mean, I, I guess it's one thing if you're trying to figure out. You know, so you can check the whole entire status of what's going on through an app, which yep. is which is great. I yeah, like, like I said, you know, they haven't made it so anybody can you, know, you can't control your skill tree. Um, they can't quite uh, check your Eve mail on it, but. Uh, um, like I said, joking us. But at least, you know, at least it's free. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean free. that's that's the key. And these guys are you know working on it. It's not a like a, a dead app where they said, "Oh, here's an app, and we're done." No, no, yeah. Obviously, I've seen they've had a lot of updates for it. It was actually just recently updated on the fifth of October. So, obviously, it's something that has development. It's mm-hmm. called Aura, free of online, uh, made by a person by the name of Jason Parks, and you can find it on the Android market. Very cool pick. Thanks, Mister John. Yeah. I'm just mad that it doesn't work on my Nook. <laughs> and well, it's a Nook that's not meant to really have Android, but yes. that's a whole other story. Uh, my pick this week uh, is uh, a Microsoft product for the iOS. And you're probably thinking, huh, I wasn't aware that they made apps for the iOS. Well, actually, they make some great apps. Um, I use uh, the Bing uh, app uh, for my iPad. Uh, but here's one that is good for the photographer out there. And, you know, you've probably... And I've done it many times where you want to make a nice, cool panoramic photo. Let's say you're at a ball game or uh, you're you're out on the coast and you're taking something uh, scenic. And you want to, you know, you, so you take like maybe four pictures and you put them side by side and side. And you, unfortunately, you know, the pictures you try to maybe go into Photoshop or use some third-party tools. And you can't quite, uh, you know, stitch the photos together quite right. Well, Microsoft uh, uh, created an app for the iOS called Photosynth, and this thing is this is just I love it. Uh, what it will do is it will it will take all the uh, the difficult parts of creating a panoramic picture and uh, you know, just takes care of it for you. And it will it will analyze the picture and the frame and where the camera is, and it will stitch uh, those shots together. And you can create an incredible panoramic shot uh, of anything. And the cool thing too is it can create a you know a, a, just a standard picture and convert it to a standard photograph for you. Or if you're within the app, you can actually you know pinch and zoom and and swing 360 degrees or however how many depending of course on how many pictures you took and created your your panoramic shot. Uh, but it's incredible. It's really great. It's free. They just recently. Uh, update it to include uh, iOS 5 compatibility, uh, authentications uh, with Facebook, and also the availability, uh, the ability to add geotagging uh, to your pictures when you upload them, which is great. Um, I love it. Yeah, uh, you guys had now you had a little tomfoolery up on our camping trip with yeah, uh, Joe. When we went uh, camping on Memorial Day weekend, um, one of the things we did is uh, I had Joe stand in one picture. I would hold it. <laughs> I he'd move, then I'd move the 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 camera. He'd be in that shot, and then he'd be in the third shot and the fourth shot. So you'd see like five different Joes in the same picture, <laughs> uh, which is great. In uh, different poses and doing different, different poses, different doing different <laughs> things. It's a lot of fun, and it's received uh, incredible ratings or uh, twenty nine hundred uh, twenty eight hundred ratings of four and a half stars or, or higher. It's compatible with the three GS, iPhone four, four S, iPod Touch iPad 2, obviously, you probably want to use it with something that has a camera. 
Uh, and that's called uh, Photosynth, made by Microsoft. And it, it's great. I highly recommend it. It's free. So I can't use it on my Nook. You cannot use it on your Nook. Damn. Sorry. Yet. Yet. <laughs> well, there's no phone. There's no camera on the Nook. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was um, the point. So, Paul, did you, uh, did you come up with a pick? Or if not, that's okay. I'm not no pressure. No, no pressure. I feel I feel the pressure. I, I have a pick of sorts. Um, I mentioned my early start in uh, Amiga gaming, and I I buy this thing called Amiga Forever. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's Mm-mm. kind of a uh, uh, an emulator essentially to run Amiga applications and games on the PC. But <clears throat> lately, uh, the company Cinemware, which made uh, Defender of the Crown and the Three Stooges, Rocket Ranger, um, it came from the desert one and two have released uh, the first of what I hope are going to be many games for the iPad and iPhone. Oh. And uh, that one is Defender of the Crown, which is a classic. And, I, and the reason that that's kind of special is because it's actually an emulator running the Amiga game. You're actually seeing the exact graphics as they were on the Amiga on your iPhone or iPad. Um, the oh, game wow. is a lot. I'm yeah, seeing it's, it. Yeah. It, it's, wow. it's neat. It's it's a lot better on the iPad only because you've got a bigger screen and it's easier to interact with the various on-screen controls. I, I find it very hard. I used I tried it on an iPod Touch. It was just too uh, the screen was a little too small. But um, I'm holding out hope that one of my favorite Amiga games of all time, which is called Wings, um, will be released as well. Yeah, and this is one I, I could absolutely see occurring on the iPhone or iPad, and uh, I hope that it's happening. The, and and. Part of what gives me hope that it is happening is that if you go to their website, they used to actually offer a bunch of the games for sale so you could run them on an emulated PC. And now all that stuff is gone. And all they're uh, really offering right now is this one iOS game. And it, it's making me think that they're reorganizing their business now around doing that, you know, putting their stuff out on uh, the iPad and the iPhone. So hopefully that does happen. But um, this is it's a, it's, just, it's a blast from the past. And it comes with all the good and bad stuff from the Amiga days. So. Um, nice graphics, great gameplay, um, and slow load times. <laughs> so, you know, it is, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's, so it's, it's is emulated. It, so. so what's now? Because I, I found Defender of the, of the Crown yep. game, and and so is it just the one yeah, game, so is or is it? there is there uh, an emulator that you actually can buy games for? No, it's the one. <laughs> just the one game. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's basically it's sort of a mini version of Risk, where you're playing for the island of England, and um, there are different action set pieces that occur you can assault castles with a catapult you can go on jousting tournaments you can try to rescue a lady um wow. and there's a couple of other things like that but it's it's a it's just a, an absolute classic and um it's a great it's still a great game awesome well that that is a great pick and obviously uh, we didn't plan it this way but three apps for for, <laughs> for mobile, mobile devices, devices. Yeah. nice yep. very very cool thank you mr paul i i gotta say now seeing the uh, seen the, the these picks of the week and actually the defender of the crown i wonder if there's a trade wars uh app. yeah uh, oh, God. i used to play that game all the time like after school and just dial in and uh, yes folks dial in bbs has got to love them and play trade wars all the time that was just my game i love that don't don't attack in federation space never a good idea um <laughs> right <laughs> yes john nothing what it, uh, it was a free game yeah i didn't pay a monthly charge oh, for it john I said, Concord wasn't going to come pod you. What's that now? Concord wasn't going to come blow up your ship. No. Oh, <laughs> God. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Um, awesome stuff. Well, 
Um, as always, uh, folks, uh, you know, we always like to check in, even though Joe is not here this week, we always like to check in and see what Joe, um, has been tweeting on the Twitters. Uh, you can follow Joe on Twitter at Falby, F-A-L-B-E-Y. And obviously, uh, one of the things that he did tweet about, uh, over the past couple of weeks was about Steve Jobs. And no matter if you love or hate Apple, you can't deny Steve Jobs' influence on the industry. He will be missed. And that is a great tweet. I cannot agree more with that statement. Um, and, uh, you know, hey, it's the iPhone 4S, the iPhone for Steve. And obviously, uh, you know, you can definitely feel some of his influences in the product. And uh, Apple will be okay for the next couple of years. And hopefully, uh, as time goes by, we'll have another visionary will step up and, and hey, you know, pull stuff should- off. Yes, Ron. Maybe make a little nod or a yeah. mention of the other gentleman that passed away this last week. Yeah. yeah. Or two. Um, and what did I do with my link? <laughs> oh, I killed it, didn't Did I? you kill your link, John? I forgot my link. That's all right. Um, I'll, I'll bring it up here on, on the screen. Um, oh, wrong link. There was two links. Um, it was a Unix creator, uh, Dennis Ritchie, uh, dying at the age of, uh, age of 70. And... What was significant, John, about Mr. Dennis Ritchie? Because it's a name that maybe you know those in the geek world will recognize, oh. but maybe do you need me to resend the link to you, John? <laughs> yeah, I've totally trashed it. Uh, well, it's if you scroll back in the, in the chat room, I, it's like I've clicked. It's I keep clicking on right. this one, and it's taking me to that one story that was nothing to do with tonight's show. Well, Doctor Ritchie was one of the creators of C. The programming language. I mean, if it really was, if it wasn't for him, a lot of the programs that evolved into something in some shape or fashion probably either would have been delayed or never existed. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the fathers of, of the geek world in the programming world. And so, obviously, uh, condolences uh, for him and his family as well. Um, was there anything you wanted to add to that, John? No, that's okay. That's, I covered it well. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to end on a down note, man. Yeah. This is this, now. Now I'm feeling really bummed. Uh, we should have did this at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, and then uh, obviously there was there was a huge. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big racing fan, um, and there was a, a tragedy today in Las Vegas where uh, IndyCar racer and driver um, and Dan Weldon uh, died in a, a huge horrific accident. Um, he won the Indy 500 uh, twice. He moved here from the UK uh, with his family and uh, became a very popular driver. Um, and uh, they they stopped the race. Uh, they didn't complete the race uh, because of it. And uh, just just really just terrible sadness. Um, we've lost some great people these past couple of weeks. So obviously, you know, whoever you follow or whatever you do, uh, make sure you appreciate them. Um, and, uh, you know, hey, send them a note, even though they may get thousands and thousands of emails. Do it anyway. It doesn't hurt. Um, I want to say a, a huge and a big thank you uh, to Mr. Mr. Paul Thorat. Uh, you can find him on the Supersite for Windows at winsupersite.com. You can follow him and, and, and check out all his uh, Twitter exploits on, on Twitter at Thorat. That's T-H-U-R-R-O-T-T. And, uh, Paul, I, I appreciate you, you hanging out with us on this late night. And, and tell your wife and your kids thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No problem. And hopefully you uh, were able to level up uh, by the time uh, the end of the show has uh, has incurred. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, I've been playing Black Ops for so long. There's no further way for me to level up. So um, <laughs> I'm pretty much just waiting for the next one. 
Oh, I forgot about uh, uh, to ask you about the whole. Uh, what do you think about the the lack of uh, the prestige uh, edition with uh, Modern Warfare Three? I think it's a crime against humanity. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things we said here on the show, we we refuse to pay any special money extra for special yeah. editions. We we will buy the base level, and I've always done that too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the other things, too, is um, – and maybe we can always have you back on the show to discuss this. Mm-hmm. But one of the things is uh, we we uh, been very uh, – I haven't purchased a first-person shooter on the PC since Battlefield Bad Company 2. And yep. the reason for that is um, we want the manufacturers of these PC games to create dedicated servers, off, yeah. offline servers. and Because uh, we're big LAN party gamers, yep. and we support the LAN parties and – one of the things that's always been frustrating for us is more and more of these companies are not putting land mode play in these hugely popular first-person titles. And it's very frustrating for us because obviously not all of us have a huge internet pipe to support of us, all of us going out to the internet and coming back to play a game that we're all here to play. And yep. my server hardware just sits there. And John is our <laughs> server guy, and he's like, what do I do? I can't run a server now. Like, um, you know, why, why, why drag around my 80-pound server when... There's nothing to run on it. Yeah. I mean, real quick, Paul, I mean, do you, do you feel, uh, I mean, obviously, I know you're more on the console side than on the PC side, yeah. but, um, I mean, do you, do you see a future of PC-dedicated gaming servers and LAN play, or, or, or obviously? Yeah, I do. I, I think that, uh, I agree with you that when they make a PC version of a game, they need to support that kind of stuff, because that's, that is a big contingent of the people that do play games on the PC. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> like I said, you can follow Paul on uh, the, the super site for Windows at winsupersite.com. You can download his hugely popular podcast, Windows Weekly, at uh, twit.tv slash www. And uh, as always, we, we thank him uh, for, for being on our show, folks. As always, you can follow us and uh, check out our show on iTunes, on uh, the Zune Marketplace, as well as geekgamer.tv. Uh, and uh, we encourage you to please uh, tell a friend and download the show. Um, we're going to be back this week for another edition of Minecraft Me. We'll be recording that live uh, Thursday evening. So if you want to join us for that, it's about the popular game Minecraft, where Joe and I, and Joe shows me through and uh, walks me through the incredible game of Minecraft. And so we'd love to have you join us as well. So uh, for Mr. Joe Falby... Uh, Paul Throt, uh, John Carlo Lindsay, I'm Chase Nunes, and with John Kessler. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week for another edition of Ig Geek Gamer Weekly. Till we all talk again, we are all silent. Good night, Gracie. <laughs> Paul, uh, that was uh, an honor and a treat to have you here with us. No, sir. no problem. I don't, well, Thanks, because it would have gotten a little boring if just Chase and I were talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're definitely. Just Chase talking and. <laughs> <laughs> just and John nodding his head. Right, yes. Right, right. Come on. Yeah, we get I'm glad to do it. Thank you. Yeah, um, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I know you're definitely a busy guy, and I, I, I won't ask you back every single week, but I hope to uh, have you come back and, and chat definitely about Windows gaming and Xbox 360 gaming. There are some topics that uh, I'd love to, to, to get to, but we just ran out of time. To, yeah, to get to. Well, I, you know, this is a big fall for games. I think between uh, you know Battlefield and uh, Call of Duty, it's it, it, about. A month and a half from now is going to be an oh, interesting time. We'll see, we'll see where these things fall, you know. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, interested with the whole, um, obviously, um, the new dashboard update um, yep. and the whole Connect integration with that and voice activation. I mean, uh, one of the things with we didn't even touch on is the whole, 
you know TV integration with Xbox, um, and yeah, that's huge in itself. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I cannot wait because uh, right now I'm doing a lot of ESPN three watching through the Xbox, and the cool thing about that is I'm able to watch sports that are very obscure. Uh, <laughs> No, like, you? Yeah, like being the Ocho, uh, the Ocho, like netball, um, yeah. Australian rules football, Taekwondo. I mean, it's all there. It's, I nice. love it. Love that stuff. Um, ever play Minecraft, Paul? No, there's not enough blowing up of things. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I. It's. Um, it sounds like it's creative and. It's, nice. It is. It is. You know, I, I never really played it until Joe got me started with it. And I said, "Well, if I'm going to really start playing, I like to make a show out of it." And so <laughs> we recreated a show called Minecraft Me with the premise: me being a noob and not knowing anything about the game, and he take me through the game and getting me started because it was really confusing because I didn't know where to start and what to do. And there's zombies and there's things that it's it is a mashup between a first person shooter and a creative game and. Uh, yeah. And it's 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 uh, I don't play it unless we're doing a show, but I, I do enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. But uh, I do have my Xbox 360 controller here, though. So when I uh, play other games, I have it ready to go. So you're saying that there's pretty a pretty steep learning curve for Minecraft? No, it's a very easy learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> Even you could play. Well, wow. Mister Mister Paul, I will I will let you go. Um, and All right. Thank you very much. Uh, no, thank you very much. And uh, I'll definitely, uh, hopefully, we can have you back. Uh, if, Absolutely. Cool. Yep. Um, I think there's not a lot of good. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's plenty of obviously geek related um, podcasts out there, but I don't think there's a lot that kind of do what we do, where we kind of mesh both worlds and try to mesh both worlds. Because yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, because I love you know whenever you start chiming in on Windows Weekly about uh, Xbox gaming. And I, my ears perk up. I'm like, oh, what's he going to? Uh, he's going uh, to talk about Call of Duty. I know he is. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, so, well, I thanks. Slip it in occasionally. Yeah, that's all right. Why? Well, I I know I hear I hear Leo talk about gaming, but I I don't know how often he really turns on his 360 and plays games. I, I don't know. I think he plays Farm Bill on his iPad. Oh, I think I it's pretty. Yeah, we rule. <laughs> the extent of it, you know. Yeah. Well, Paul, thanks so much, sir. Uh, thank you so much, and thanks for staying up with us. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. No problem. Thank right. you. Take care. Have a good, good night. night. You too. All right. Bye. bye. Hit, you said hit back? Uh, hang back. Oh. Did I say hit back? That sounded like you said you could just hit back. And I don't know hit. how to speak, John. <laughs> I'm not very good at, at public speaking. So. I thought that was my department. <laughs> not being good at public speaking. Yeah, John's a quiet guy, but I, I, I told John before the show today, Paul, that he uh, John has to bring up his quota by 50% because uh, our other guys aren't here. So. Like I said, John, you're going to need to speak up about 50 more percent. Speak louder, is that it? Speak up? Or forever hold your peace. 50% louder. Yeah, 50% 50 louder. 50% louder. No, no. No, oh, you said I spoke up. Come on. Make up your mind. 50% more content. Oh. All right. It can be gibberish. I really don't care. Um, I'll just get off on a rant about how PC gaming is dead, and you guys will be, like, shocked into silence. Cool. We've had that conversation (laughs) at least one time a show, so, you know. I don't think it's dead. Obviously, I think it's changing, but... Um, my, my biggest fear... Hey, hey, save it for the show. Ah. <sighs> I just saved it. <laughs> we always de- do de- that. De- changing is a different way of saying dead, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Change out, you're it's, dead. It's changing to be dead. Change out, you're dead. Change out, you're dead. <laughs> All right. 